listening to a Drishti Point podcast. Please visit our website for more inspiring interviews on yoga, spirituality, and wellness. Today, my guest is Anusara-inspired yoga teacher Shelley Tomzik. Uh, she's a yoga teacher in Vancouver, and she's currently working on her certification with her mentor, Robin Gold, who is an Anusara yoga a teacher from uh, Montreal who was actually first certified in Canada. Shelley, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Okay. So my first question generally, and by the way, this is Lauren Spaniolo. <laughs> okay. If you look back on your life, how do you think your spiritual journey began and what do you think your question was to yourself? Like many, you know, my spiritual journey began when I was quite young. Catholic religion, and then went on to investigate several, several different um, religions, questioning what was um, right for me. And so, you know, that went on for, well, almost uh, 40 years now. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I think I'm still inquiring. Are you? But um, essentially have met many wonderful influences and uh, teachers along the way who have really opened up a lot of those answers and insights into into my spiritual path. When did you step into the physical practice, the asana practice of yoga? Over 10 years ago, and um, I was living in New Brunswick, actually, and I met a woman who was a Hatha yoga teacher amongst um, a Buddhist practitioner, and her name was Charlene Pierce, and an environmentalist. Actually, that's what brought us together. We were we were saving some trees, and I was very much involved uh, with that. And she really revealed the yoga lifestyle to me, and the asana wasn't the main component earlier on for me, as was more of the uh, internal practices of meditation and um, diet, food, and inquiry as as far as the divine, you know, Mm -hmm. plays out. And so um, I learned my first asana with her, too. So she passed that on to me. And then... um, I love the way you just said that. Uh, Well, I learned my first asana with her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I don't hear that that often. I think it's really special. Yeah, I'm really grateful Yeah, for my teachers, you know. And um, then, you know, that deepened for, for a couple of years. And I investigated further when I lived in Florida uh, for a couple of years. And I studied with Jay Martin, who was my first Ashtanga teacher. And I fell in love with the practice. And uh, after studying with him almost every day for a year, he finally just said, you know, you'd make a really great teacher. So he just started Mm -hmm. teaching me to be a teacher. And for the next year or so, I studied with him ongoing and worked with, with children for many years because that's what my education was in social work, psychology, and, and women's studies, and taught kids yoga for a very long time and ran my own preschool when I moved here and taught a lot of the yogic philosophy 
in preschool and to these children, which was really great to see them um, play and have fun with the practice of yoga. And then I met Christina Sell in India when I was traveling with my spiritual teacher, Lalita, and that was my first um, exposure to the Anusara yoga. And yet, Jay Martin in Florida was also dabbling with it when he was teaching me Ashtanga with heart qualities, really. And so our two paths, even though we separated, um, he carried on with Anusara's, now a certified teacher, and so did I, just mm. through different people. And Christina Sal was very influential because she also happens to be in the same Western Baul lineage that that I am. And so it really helped me to understand and blend the two traditions and hold a space for for all of the practices. And that was really useful to me and still is. She's she's a great teacher. So your Anasara practice complements the Western Bible. What do you think? Yes and no. (laughs) (laughs) Yes and no. So yes in so many ways. They're both informed by a tantric philosophy Mm -hmm. and both paths of service and yet um, there is a fundamental difference and it's not a guru yoga path the anusara it's not a guru yoga and so so great because i get fed so much from the anusara yoga path as far as asana study and working with amazing teachers like john friend and Mm -hmm. Um, the founder, but my work with the Western Baul, it's a guru yoga path, mm-hmm. and so it's very, very different. Mm-hmm. Before I want to delve into that, actually, but before we do, I'm curious to know why you're drawn to the Anasara path. So many reasons, so many reasons. I mean, when I started practicing Anusara, as much as I loved um, Ashtanga, mm-hmm and respect that lineage and, and my teachers. It felt like I was waking up to what yoga really was in my body, like full consciousness and awareness of of all the parts and how they elegantly connect. So a lot of the times the wake-up moments were like, wow, this is really how you do it. Oh. <laughs> and so oh. It, it woke up for me what was right for me, what aligned true for me and the philosophy has has so much integrity and John Friend has so much integrity there's just like uh, a real big support in Kula and Anusara Yoga that you get connected to you get plugged into and that was really useful for me in my life at that time and still is like the community we're building here in Vancouver that I've been a part of for you know six years now is amazing I mean, it really is. I feel so blessed. And it works. Does it? It works. <laughs> when you say it works, how does it work? It works therapeutically. lines up the body, um, the biomechanics in such a way that you feel more freedom. Um, I've healed my own injuries and illnesses that, you know, I've I've dealt with over the years via this yoga and it has a strong connection to the divine. I mean, ultimately, and and that's that's really important to me. Mm-hmm. And this is all 
this is all held in a community, in a kula. And so these ingredients, you know, I feel are very enlivening Mm -hmm. and supporting. And I've seen it work with my students, you know, the best thing about being a teacher is being able to see them wake up, have those moments that I've had so many times Mm. as well. What do you think the ancestors of yoga, what, what do you think they would think of Anusara? The ancestors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's evolved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's a progressive method. And Tantra, you know, is this ongoing, alive weaving. It doesn't end. There's no top end. That's what I love about it. There's always room for expansion. Um, And there's also a great deal of honoring of the tradition, the lineage of yoga, and the classical is is honored and woven through, as well as Kashmir Shaivism and the different tantras. So I would say that, you know, they they would just think it as a progression that it, you know, suits and is fueling and feeding the, the Western culture. Mm-hmm. What do you think your main contribution is to yoga? Or another way I want to put the question is, what do you think your intention is when you're teaching your students? What do you want them to get? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want them to discover and reveal to themselves first that there is this deep um, intrinsic goodness within themselves. And that mm-hmm. that is supported and connected to the divine. Mm-hmm. From that, they can make offerings and share in their relationships to others, you know, in the most compassionate kind of way. That same goodness, that same connection that they've made with themselves can then be taken into their lives, into their families and their friends. It's, to me, it's a lot about relationships into everything that they, you know, come in contact with. Mm -hmm. That's a main ingredient of my teaching. Mm -hmm. You mentioned earlier what delights you about yoga, what challenges you about yoga. Mm -hmm. It's a pulsation of contraction and expansion. So I've learned to to play with the divine and not be played so much. As before, you know, it's sort of I've learned that it's always going to contract. There's always going to be the ebbs and flows. And the more I realize that, the more it actually doesn't challenge me Mm. as much, you know, or as for a longer period of time or like I have shorter times of disconnect or separation. But I always have my practices to go back to, to be like, okay, this is. You know, I'm really faced with this challenge today. Yeah. Or I use that in my teaching, and I bring that to my students because I know they they empathize. And so I like to be authentic in that, that you're going to experience challenges. Here you can experience safely on the mat. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And how are your responses to them? Mm -hmm. It's really how are we responding or are we just reacting? Mm -hmm. In a very different mood. And so creating a presence of being that can respond to life and the challenges and see that that is also part of the play. Mm -hmm. I I can see how you use that experience, what you're talking Mm -hmm. about, as a healing, but 
you know, connection. Mm. I mean, you were you were talking about community, but how I mean, the oneness really comes into play right there. Mm. Mm-hmm. When, when what about when you experience something like anger or fear? Same thing, I guess. We use it. You use, <laughs> you use it for transformation. Mm-hmm. Because even you know, according to the philosophy that really in you know informs my practices with working with emotions, mm-hmm. the full spectrum is, is honored. So with anger, you know, there's room to have an experience of anger, uh, whether it goes down the, the road of becoming self-abusive or causing harm and suffering to others, then it's not so useful. Sure. And it's choosing. It's remembering that you have choice. Mm-hmm. and to choose how you're going to respond and, and use that. The feelings, you know, natural. Cut that off or push it away and say, oh, anger's bad, I can't use that. But to to turn it around and, well, how, how, have I, how did I deal with that emotion? Mm-hmm. And how did, how did it surface, you know? Self-inquiry is a big deal, so if these emotions coming up, it's sort of pulling that thread for a while and seeing what's really at the origin of it, you know, and that brings up karma and everything else that is an endless conversation. But I'm always curious to investigate source. Mm, Okay. Shelley, what do you think spiritual means to you? Because there's a lot of spiritual materialism going on right now. Mm. There's, let's grab this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean for you? Spiritual, I know what you mean by, you know, Chogram, Changpra, or Bishay's. Hey, how do you, you know, know? Oh, I've, we, we are well studied in his work, actually, because the Western Baul is very informed by the Vajrayana Buddhists, and so, um, as well as Sufism, Sufism and yes. Hinduism, and so. That's right. Oh, You're very much so. We, it's, it's a flavor in my teacher's teaching, and so I'm well aware of, you know, that grasping and dabbling, and I've done it. I, I did it for years when I was initially, I think, for a while, um, when you're when you're seeking outside of yourself, you know, that's how a lot of people find out, you know, about spirituality or what that means to them. For me, I always wanted more. So anytime mm-hmm. I, it was like, it didn't really speak the truth to me. A lot of the dabbling, it was interesting, uh, had experiences and that sort of thing, but it was never, I was always very restless. And so uh, spiritual, just the word even can be, can be overused. And yet we need, we have this language we need to use. So it's my relationship with God. More and more it's, it's of service in my relationship to others, mm-hmm. my connection with others and, and having integrity. Being a good human being is spiritual to me. Yes, I yeah. agree. Actually, my teacher is Reggie Ray, who's a, st- oh, yeah. a student. Familiar. Yeah. yeah. So actually, now you're reminding me from the conversation that I had with Regina, yeah. and now it's like, yeah. hmm, so oh. interesting. You know, sometimes I think it's hard to be on the spiritual journey mm-hmm. when you're living sort of in like kind of all this noise and things like that. So I wondered if you ever had gone through any kind of doubt constantly. <laughs> <laughs> Still, (laughs) 
still very much so. That's that contraction again. Oh, yes. You know, um, right. I'm also, from stalking my various stories of doubt and seeing where they have led, you know, has also helped to inform me to discriminate what's true and not true for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm grateful for my teachers for that. Let's talk about the challenge that, you know, the differences that I spoke about or I was questioning you about earlier about your Ba'ul spiritual mm-hmm. journey mm-hmm. with Anusara and how sometimes it can be conflicting for you and how sometimes, probably many times, how it could, it's a beautiful marriage, let's call it mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. 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 So which, do you but, want to know but, the marriage or the, <laughs> the disconnect? <laughs> Whatever. Uh, the marriage, what has blended well is they're both tantric schools. And more recently, John Friend has, has called on Isara a Shiva Shakti tantric school. Mm-hmm. And so there's, very, there's many parallels in the, in the tradition, the philosophy. And so that's been really supportive because in both, there is a high expectation of study. And like we were discussing, what is an immersion, a non-star immersion, 108 hours just studying the philosophy Mm. and before you even do a teacher training and I've taken a handful of those now and but it's really complemented with what my spiritual teacher Lalit has taught me but the difference is the experiences have been different you know my my teacher doesn't teach me from a book it's very experiential Mm. with her okay so I would say that that transmission that happens through guru yoga is very different than when you, you know, are are practicing yoga without. And although they're in Anusara yoga, there's mentors, and that's really useful, right? You're accountable mm. for your teaching. You're mm. accountable as a student, and I like that. I like that fiery, um, to say fiery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like the fiery edge of of what it offers. And yeah, I don't know. There's there's so many angles I can take it you know, on experientially, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what specifically. There's so many parallels, and yet I'd have to say the biggest difference is there's no guru. Although Anusara has this beautiful lineage to, you know, Guru Maya, Muktananda, Nityananda, and the Siddha Yoga, and it's nice to get those flavors through teaching Anusara Yoga and studying and they're both deeply connected to grace. You know, there's the element of receiving grace, you know, opening yourself up and lining yourself up, whether it's my Western bowel lining myself up with my guru or lining myself up with the five universal principles of alignment through Anusara Yoga. They both, in the end, connect you to receiving grace and deepening your relationship to God or the divine, whatever you want to call it. And because I've gone deep in in both of them, or not even that deep when you think about it, because I still feel still very young, even though it's been over 10 years of being connected to both traditions. There's still so much to learn. There's there's just no top end. And my Western Ba'ul has revealed with my teacher and so has the Anusara path but there's always you know challenges and doubts and things I experience and you know what's for me what's not for me that's ongoing 
it just softens over time and you kind of settle into, you know, maybe I've received enough insight and grace to just really know that this is for me, these two paths, and that the blend can work. There was moments when I didn't think it was going to, but Christina Sal and you know, really helped me with that, really connected the two for me. And that's just now I'm just doing that on my own more and more. If I said to you the word judgment, um, you know, what comes up for you? What, how does that play in your life and how do you use that as a practice? Like, how do you... I try not to. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I try not to judge. Yeah. I mean, we all do naturally. You mean judgment to myself or to everything? Other, to everything. Yeah. To ourselves. And I find that one the really, that's a, it's almost like an addictive automatic response. Oh, oh yeah. One great teacher said to me once that, you know, we find ourselves in either three spaces, the past, um, the future, or in judgment. Hmm, that's well said. Yeah, and I've, I've contemplated that a lot, you know, to keep me um, focusing on the now, you know, what's needed here, you know, here and now. Mm-hmm. The practice of self-observation without judgment is kind of one of the first phases of working with judgment. And, you know, I've been attempting that practice for some time now where, you know, observing myself and, you know, whether I judge myself after, you know, oh, I could have done better, oh my God, you know, this and that. Because I've been willing to look at that, you know, cultivate a little more compassion towards myself or that's just age I don't know yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah I don't mm-hmm. waste I don't want to waste so much time in in judgment it's natural it's it's something that comes up it helps us with discernment as far as like judging whether this situation is good for me or not but I just work with it every day I work with it Use, use my practices, my yoga, my insights to stop, to stop the stories if they're going to go in that direction. That I'm really well, you know, I'm familiar with where they go. Mm-hmm. I don't need to go there so much. Yeah. I'm generally a very sweet person. So mm-hmm. I, I like to just, you know, keep that sweetness, you know, and use that even. My teacher sometimes says, fake it till you make it. So a lot of the times when dealing in relationships, I've just chosen and warmed up to not participate in the way my habits would normally play out and try something different. Good words. I I know that we don't have a lot of time, Mm -hmm. but I just wanted to comment that I was just reading recently about how the most highest spiritual form is to have, to describe what you were talking about, like just Mm -hmm. to have almost nothing. It's very, it's very hard because I love. I don't mean to interrupt you, yeah. but I love that hearing that with what's going on in the New Age movement about acquiring, right? You know, right. So finding the balance in that. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I was saying to you that to me, um, as I observe you, you are a yogi throughout, both internally and physically, and the way you hold yourself, and the way you're dedicated to your path, to your spiritual journey. And I know that uh, you've mentioned that you're a mother and how you, you know, you make the choice to get on the mat, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And how, what, what has that taught you? What could you say about motherhood? What could you share with some mothers out there that are listening? Well, that definitely making it on the mat or quality in which I bring 
in my relationship to both my girls is the same thing in a sense it's the Mm -hmm. same yoga making connection and relationship with integrity compassion and kindness and so motherhood has been probably the most challenging (laughs) forms of yoga Mm -hmm. and uh, yet it's connected me deeply to that shakti to that mother also to service it's it's really ultimate service to always be mindfully putting others under your care your responsibility and so for a very long time that has helped shape and influence definitely who I am and for mothers even you know because I used to teach mom and baby yoga I used to teach kids yoga and just surrounded myself with my spiritual practice because I knew ultimately that would feed my motherhood the most like that mm. um, channel and fuel would be feeding to my children and I've seen it and it works and um, my spiritual teacher Lalita really taught me that and so it's very very conscious parenting mm. fully being um, aware and responsible for your actions mm-hmm. I don't know I've made mistakes but I but I use that right and I teach them how to use their mistakes oh. and I'm we're okay you know it's like that acceptance and uh-huh um I don't know if that's useful. Yeah. No, no. Very. Okay. I mean, what, uh, there was a yoga teacher that commented, she said to me, CLO English. Oh, yeah, I know her. Yeah, yeah. 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 And she said, you know, you're not going to want to get her off the air. And it's true. It's like, okay, now what you're saying, oh. I can go on to this piece and that <laughs> okay. piece and that okay. piece. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. So I'm going to end off by this question, asking you what you think the meaning of your life is. These long silences. These are these are deep contemplative questions and are an ongoing investigation for me in my life. And I to to be of service. And this does not mean that you know I don't serve myself and and my needs and and but yeah to be of service in whatever form I can in this embodiment and to love. So it's about love for me. Thank you for rearranging your schedule yeah. to come visit with us. I really, really appreciate it. Great. Yeah. It's I really great Yeah. Beautiful, heartfelt um, yoga you are. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Drishti Point. We dedicate our efforts to the health and happiness of our listeners and for the health and happiness of all living beings.